1: Black holding high goes to Darty. Darty in the double team gives it back to Black with 20
0: seconds left to play. Goes back to Michael Jordan. Jumper from out on the left. Good! Rebounded by Weber. Michigan out of timeout. Weber frontcourt, Carolina with foul. He takes the timeout. Technical, out foul. Of timeout. Technical, foul. Technical foul! Technical foul on Michigan! Ed Corbett says he can run the baseline. Hands in the ball. Brown gets it into Williams. Here comes Williams frontcourt. Williams on the drive. Gets it back out to him, long outside shot, short rebounded, May it's over, Carolina has won the national championship. 89-72, and how about them Tar Heels, they are the national champions. Matthews, off the mark, and this year the confetti is going to fall for North Carolina, they're not going to be denied this time.
1: Hello and welcome to another edition of the Four Corners Podcast. We are powered by Carolina Electrical Services. Josh and Anthony back with you guys. Today we are going to preview the backcourt for Carolina basketball this upcoming season. We'll take a look at all the members that make up the backcourt for the Tar Heels and preview what they need to do for this team to be successful in 2021-2022. We got some closing notes including an injury update for one of the Tar Heels uh front court players um that we'll get to later in the show but we start as we start every podcast with the pod thought of the day but before we do that i forgot to address this last time we 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 uh recorded oh no the power of podcasting never ceases to amaze me i can't tell you exactly where we're coming from because the boss man says we have to keep our location uh, unidentified. It's an underground secret bunker. But we are, yes, we are beneath the earth in a room <laughs> with microphones.
0: <laughs> By the way, that could not have been a more creepy sentence that you put together. I said right beneath there. the earth. Ben- beneath the earth with microphones. With, oh, the, okay. with microphones.
1: Um, so, anyway. Um, that that was the
0: big announcement. That by was the way. big
1: announcement. Just that, but guys, we have better audio quality. That's I, that's all you need to know. I mean, look, what you gotta know? There might be a bathroom ten, fifteen feet that you might hear flush every now and again, but that's okay. Because the audio quality's better. You can hear a flush.
0: I'm gonna be honest. I just use my pants right here. Okay. <laughs> now I'm I mean, no, uh, no, no, no. We're we're in a legitimate I will say this. We are in a legitimate studio studio. Like, yeah. this is this is legit stuff. We're in the
1: stute, <laughs> is how I like to refer okay. to it. Okay. All right. Uh, on to the pod thought of the day. And this is, man, this is really riveting stuff. From Dean Smith. That's, that just reeked of sarcasm, by the way. No, because I this is really ringing true to me. Um, a leader's job is to develop committed followers. Bad leaders destroy their their followers' sense of commitment. I think I have achieved elite leadership because we've been doing said pod for going on four years, and you're still here.
0: Yeah, because that's definitely how it works, that you're definitely the leader.
1: I'm the leader of this pod, and you're still here following along. As with all of our downloads and, and listeners that we have on a consistent basis. See, I thought we were co-leaders. But I thought I, I thought we were, uh, you know, no. we're we're
0: T one uh, on the on the golf board, you know, but, but I'm one A,
1: and you're one B.
0: Okay, I mean I've, that's fine. What th- that means that you're, you're still, still follow- on the same level. You're still following my lead, though. See, this is the problem with this: is that if I said on the Heel Tough Blog podcast that y- I was the leader and you were the follower, you would take issue
1: with that. You no. would get
0: you would get hurt over that.
1: I follow your lead. Into the podcast, and then I just do whatever I want to do because I'm that I'm that guy. I'm an OG. Yeah, you're the guy that's just right on the borderline of being fired. I'm I'm yeah. I'm an original it's gamer. It's on about the pod. right. But there you go, guys. Um, I've got a treat for a pod thought of the day in the in the next coming episodes. Oh, that sweet! I think all of you guys will enjoy. I know I will enjoy. Let's talk about this backcourt man. Um. Last, last week we did the front court, and I think there's a lot of excitement in that front court with the three transfers, the return of Armando Baycott. Um, you, you add a freshman in Dontre Styles who I, we all uh, agree next year could be a really big part of what this team is wanting to do and and can do. But the excitement of Hubert Davis is hiring. it starts and ends with the back court because the change of play from the too big system to a more open floor, better spacing, all that, it is directly to benefit the backcourt. And Carolina got a really big boost when the entire core of that young backcourt, Caleb Love, R.J. Davis, Kerwin, Walton, and you include Anthony Harris in that as well, Mm -hmm. they all returned. Um, There was never a sense of anyone going to the NBA from those guys. Maybe Kerwin Walton, but his defensive uh, liabilities kind of erased any possibility of that. But remember, when the season ended, we thought there was a good chance Caleb Love could transfer. R.J. Davis was rumored to be a potential transfer candidate. All these guys are back in Carolina blue. They're all looking to take a big step forward this year for Carolina. And if Carolina wants to be the type of team that we think they can be, and remember the last time we got on here, we gave you our bold predictions, and I had this team winning the ACC, being a number one seed in the NCAA tournament. We both are in agreement that they can they can make the final four. That, we didn't say they are going to, but we think they both we think they can make the final four. None of that is possible unless this backcourt takes that next step.
0: Yeah, no, I I mean it's 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 an integral part of what this team ha- has to do. I think that there are so many changes that are coming to this Tar Heel team this upcoming season. But one of the things that is going to stick around, I think, is that you have got to get good guard play, heightened guard play, especially from second year and above guards. And that's what Carolina's got to see this year, is you've got two guys that are going, probably going to start. Again, we're not 100% certain on what exactly the starting lineup looks like, but you're going to need Caleb Love and R.J. Davis to take steps forward this year if you're going to be the team that you think you can be. Carolina, when they've been at their best, they've had... Those guys in the backcourt, mainly at that point guard position, that you can rely on down the stretch of games to make shots and not turn the ball over. Mm -hmm. They haven't really been able to do that these last couple of years because they've had so much youth back there. Now, you're finally starting to see some of these, I mean, I'm not going to call them veterans. I mean, they're second year guys. But with what we've seen the last couple of years, these guys are basically veterans. So this is huge for Carolina. They've got an opportunity to capitalize. And I think those two guys and the fact that we think they're going to take steps forward this year are part of the reason why we feel so confident that this team can make a pretty sizable leap from what they've been
1: the last couple of years. Well, you got to go back to 2017, 2018. That was the last time Carolina returned as starting point guard. That was four seasons ago. That's unreal. After going over a decade of consistently returning their starting point guard from the previous season, from Raymond Felton to Ty Lawson to Kendall Marshall to Marcus Page and to eventually Joel Berry. Um, and, and so that turnover, it really, no one, and it, it, I still think it's the same thing even under Huber Davis. No one asked more of their point guards than Roy Williams. Well, you're having to constantly change who that point guard is. You're never gonna be able to. You're never gonna get the type of production you want from that guy. Um, and I think you know. So we'll start with with Caleb Love. And if you look at what he did last year, and look, like, man, he really struggled shooting the ball. And I get that. But if you would have told me that he would have came in and didn't have a normal offseason, would have to juggle a global pandemic on top of everything else going on, being a, a college student, um, all that. I would say you would have been more understanding with his level of play last year because he did show signs. Those two Duke games were as good a performances in the history of Carolina basketball as a freshman against Duke. So the potential's there. He, in, he comes back this year. We saw him at late night. His body's developed. He looks stronger. He looks quicker. Um, the biggest thing for him, as with R.J. Davis and the other guys we'll get to here in a minute, He's got to improve his efficiency, shoot better from the field, which is, it starts and ends with taking better shots. His shot selection at times last year wasn't good, but that was expected of a freshman who was being asked a lot out of him and limit his turnovers because Carolina just, they need to take better care of the ball because they're going to have some deficiencies um, where they. they they can't afford to hand the hand an opponent 10, 15 points a games off turnovers. This team was dead last in the ACC in turnovers last year. Dead last. Hubert Davis has emphasized that since he took the job. It starts and ends with Caleb Love. He's picked. Uh, he was picked as a preseason all-ACC second team, so the media thinks he's in for a big season. I saw uh, a, a Twitter account today say he's a sleeper to be the ACC player of the year. If Carolina can get that type of production— Night in, night out, from love. This team is going to be the type of team that we both think they can be.
0: Yeah, I, I, I definitely think that he kind of fits in that category, and we've seen it before that some of these guards have taken really big steps for Carolina. Most of the ones that you talked about, that second year was where they really made their leap because before that, they had moments where they really struggled. And, you know, we've talked about it. We don't think that he's the one that benefits the most. Me and you agree that his backcourt mate, who we'll talk about here in a minute, is the one that benefits the most from this new system. But it still feels like he's going to benefit a lot from a a change in mindset on the offensive end. He's going to be able to drive the basket more. That's going to allow him to be able to create easier passes for himself when he does try to get it out to his teammates. But, yeah, you're right. The most important thing for him to do is he's got to take care of the basketball because you've talked about uh, – I mean, we were just talking about the fact that they've had to replace these point guards year in and year out. One of the biggest issues that these guys have had is they just turn the ball over a lot. Mm -hmm. That was really the one flaw that you had with Kobe White. And you, of course, had that flaw with Cole Anthony and last year with a freshman, Caleb Love. This year, with him being a a, a veteran in the system, um, and, and yes, I think that it's very obvious from the quotes and from some of the stuff that we've seen come out that the focus is on trying to eliminate that yeah. because it, 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 you just you cannot turn the ball over anywhere near the amount that you have the last couple of seasons and win games at the rate you want to. To be honest with you, the fact that they turned it over as much as they did last year, and they were still a tournament team that some people felt like could make a run, is kind of amazing. Right. So, if you cut down on those turnovers, all of a sudden we're looking at a, just based on that, you're looking at probably a top four, at least five team in the ACC. I think that probably gets you right into that top four and in the conversation. And then if you see some of the things that we talked about in the front court happen, you see some of the shooting in the backcourt, that's going to allow you to be successful. But all of that starts with Caleb. Bluff.
1: Another thing I'm really excited to see from him is something that Hebert uh, Davis challenged him, is I think he's got to take another step defensively. He has the potential to be a really good defender, I think. I think he has a good frame. He's got good length for the point guard spot. He can be physical Um, Last year, look, with everything going on, I just think Roy Williams didn't ask as much out of him defensively. Well, now he's back. He's a sophomore. You're still going to be asked to set the defense, and the defensive effort starts with the point guard. So interesting to see if he takes that next step defensively, maybe force some turnovers himself, get himself going in transition, um, and, and make himself more efficient that way if he takes the next step defensively. Talking about R.J. Davis, He's the guy I think we're most excited to see play in this system because he was at times last year, outside of what Kerwin Walton did shooting the basketball from behind the three-point line, he was the most complete guard Carolina had of their young core that's coming back from a season ago. Like his backcourt mate Caleb Love, does he need to improve his efficiency and limit his turnovers? Yes, but I do think he will have a much more defined role this year where it's like this is what your job is, whereas last year I mean, we were we were having to to flip-flop between him and Caleb Love because they were so inconsistent at times. At the same time, they were both inconsistent. Yep. It was really hard to say, this is what I need you to do because that changed from game to game and, and, and week to week. I don't think that's going to be the same case this year. I do think he will have a much more defined role, which will mean an elevation in his play, and we all know he's got the talent and he's got the toughness to be a tough little player for the Tar Heels. Tough little nut.
0: Yeah. Uh, I mean, he showed that in the ACC tournament. I mean, he was a guy that when he started to drive the basket more, you started to see a different player. You saw a more confident player. You saw a guy. that That's where he's going to thrive. And that's why when we talked about him, we said, this is the guy that benefits the most from the system change because he wants to be that aggressive guy that drives the basket and finishes through contact or gets to the free throw line. And... It's just it's great and you can't take a ton away from it. when we watched that scrimmage at late night, you could tell already that this this fits what he wants to do. There what? is so much more spacing he's gonna work so well off the pick and roll. he oh man, he is gonna that that is just perfect for him and that's why like for me, that's the guy I'm most excited to see this year. 'Cause I think it's just you're you're seeing a much more confident guy. You're seeing a guy that's shooting the ball a lot more confidently as well. So I, I I think the thing is, is you what we're saying all this, this is not a guy that's gonna come out here and lead you in scoring. Could he? I mean, yeah, you know, the talent's I don't think there. That's good case. I don't
1: think that's I don't think that's a good scenario for Carolina if he's your leading scorer.
0: Well, I mean, unless he's averaging, like, it, like, let's say he just goes nuts and starts averaging 17, 18, okay, then that could be a good case for you. But I don't think that he's, I don't think that's him. But at the same time, I think there's going to be some subtle things that he's going to do for this team that people are going to get really excited about. And yeah, I think his role is going to be more defined. I think he's going to be primarily a two guard. But I think he is going to give you that option at, with, with him as your backup point guard as well. But he's going to know look, this is your exact role. You're going to start the game at the two, and then we'll move you around from time to time. But we're not going to be moving you all over the place. We're not going to have you playing, you know, 20, 24, 25 minutes one night, and then the next night you play 12 minutes. That's not going to happen. He's going to be, uh, there's going to be a consistent role for him. And I think he's going to have a lot of success with it.
1: I think the one thing I, I I noticed at the scrimmage, the same thing was with Caleb Love, was that their shot was more compact. It was quicker. And when they shot the ball, they were confident they were going to take the shot or they were going to make the shot. How many times last year did they shoot the ball, but they just shot the blessed thing to shoot it, not believing they were going to make the shot? They looked more confident. Everything looks just so much more fluid. As it should, because everyone that knows anything about basketball will tell you, you see the most growth between their freshman and sophomore seasons, so they have taken the next step because, man, having a summer really matters, and we, we, yeah. we never really valued it until we had it taken away. And and I firmly believe if Carolina would have had a summer to prepare last year, as you mentioned, that team was 19-11 and 11 with all the issues that they had, and they had their, hand, their, their, their handful of issues. Had they had a summer to maybe work out those kinks because you would have seen those tendencies early in the season, you would have had a much better season, I would have thought. Well, with the shooting thing, was there not games where it just felt like they weren't
0: confident because they knew every time that they came down the floor one of us is going to probably have to take a late shot clock three because we we just can't do much in the half court. This year I think they feel more confident in the system as a whole in the fact that you've got guys beside you that can take those late threes if you need to and make them. I think that's what's given them a little more confidence this year.
1: Yeah, and uh, you know the, the the open floor just means so much more to two guys who naturally want to play at the rim. And I think that's something that Maybe if Roy Williams could have reevaluated how he ran the team last year, it would have been realized. My guys are better at the basket first, as opposed to standing on the perimeter trying to make those shots. One guy who isn't afraid to take perimeter shots and make them is Kerwin Walton, a guy who shot over forty percent from three last year. He's back. I have already predicted he will shoot forty-seven percent or better from behind the three-point line. No pressure, Kerwin. Just need you to uh, lay. I up. really hope he doesn't listen to the podcast. Yeah. Um, the, it, for him, he knows his role. He is a he. He is going to be in the game to take and make shots, mm-hmm. but he needs to do more than just shoot the three ball. Because as you saw at the end of the season last year, the really good defensive teams, the well-coached teams, could run him off the three-point line. So he's got to expand his offensive arsenal. We've seen that in the highlights between when we were at late night with Roy or late night with Huber Davis, and then the uh, the scrimmage against Florida putting the ball on the floor driving the mid-range game is there we saw it a lot last year i think you're going to see a lot more with it coming off of a of a mid-high pick and roll screen where he he gets a flare screen and is shooting an 18 foot jump shot but I do think he's got to be able to take defenders off the bounce or at least make them respect the ability to take them off the bounce. That way it makes it harder to run him off that three-point line.
0: And you just want to see him basically become what Cam Johnson was, where Cam Johnson could take guys off the bounce. If he needed to hit a mid-range shot, he could. But at the same time, where he did his most damage was from deep. That's going to be where Kerwin's going to, going to get most of his output from. And that's something that is good. First of all, he's got the quick release. Like, yeah, teams can take him away and try to run him off that three-point line. He's also got one of the quickest releases on his jump shot that we've seen at Carolina. I mean, it, he gets the ball. That ball is out before you can even realize he's got the basketball sometimes. And that's the thing that I think is so exciting about him. And he's going to remain confident from, from deep. Oh, he yeah. knows that he is the best three-point shooter. But he's another guy that could thrive from knowing because there was, it was very clear by maybe, uh, probably even before midseason, but definitely by midseason last year, that that was your three-point shooter. Oh, not one of your three-points. Your three-point shooter. Nobody else could knock down consistent shots from deep. He was the
1: only one. You knew that after the Kentucky game. Right. Because he, he single-handedly sparked that second-half comeback while making four three-point shots. Notice when the team was making threes at the time.
0: Yeah, and now I mean you got I mean and now I don't know how many he's gonna make, but you've got 200. Armando Baycott. No, I'm saying I, I'm saying I was saying with Baycott, two hundred. Like okay, that's not gonna happen. But you you know that you're gonna have a guy that can take and 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 make that shot, and in Armando Baycott and, and everybody around him and Brady Manic the, Manic can make the shot. I mean I'm saying I'm saying starting with Baycott, a guy that last year nobody would have thought. Like If he was taking threes, you were like, what are we doing?
1: Had he taken a three, he would have gotten the the J.P. Tokoto treatment from the ACC tournament where Roy Williams calls a timeout and would have been so far in his face, he would have basically kissed him and and tasted his breakfast.
0: And now he's a guy that, I mean, look, again, I don't think you're going to see that many from him, but he could be a guy that... Once a game, twice a game,
1: well, I think it's be takes a shot from the outside. I think it's gonna be I think it'll I think he'll take three or four threes a game, to be honest with you. I think he'll be expected to take three or four threes a game.
0: Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I I, I think especially early on, I think you could see that because I don't think people are gonna respect his three point shooting. They're gonna look at him and say, Well, look at what he was last year. This guy can shoot the three, then he's gonna kind of catch some people off guard. But what I'm saying is for Kerwin, everybody around you now, you feel like if they take a three, they have a a chance of making. Where, it, I mean, when you looked at them last year, I mean, I know Walker Kessler was supposed to be a guy that could take and make threes.
1: We don't say his name on he anymore.
0: He didn't. He didn't. Early last year, we realized he wasn't that guy. Deron Sharp was never shooting a three. That was not going to happen. That was not in his arsenal. That is not going to be in his arsenal probably for a couple of years. So it was a much different feel where now, I mean, everybody can help you out. It takes the pressure off of them. But one thing that was interesting, Hubert Davis did a press conference today of the day we are recording here on Wednesday. He did a press conference today and said that he has been talking with Kerwin, one of the guys that Kerwin has talked so much about, is Kobe Bryant, and he says, look, I'm trying to get him to be more like Kobe on both ends of the floor. Offensively, you know, that probably means being a little bit more confident in not only your outside shot, but being confident that you can take guys off the bounce and and make things happen. Uh, And and defensively, being that aggressive player that, yeah, are you the lockdown defender? Are Are you Anthony Harris? Are you what we think Leaky Black could or should be? No, but you're a guy that is competent on the defensive end and doesn't get blown by like he did at times last year, which we chalked up to he's a freshman and he's a guy that really just needs to focus on what he's doing on the offensive end because we need him so much there. This year, it's it's different. You want to see him take those steps offensively and defensively, and I think he's got a good chance to do that because I think he's a smart kid that
1: wants to be more than just a three-point shooter. Well, I mean, he's got to be. As for for this team, he's got to be adequate defensively. Is he going to be the best defender on this team? No. But he needs to be a guy that when we know he's on the floor, we know he's not a liability. He was a liability last year, but he was also your best three-point shooter. You could not not have him on the floor. He was also your best free-throw shooter. So in late-game situations, he could not not be on the floor. So it would be interesting to see how he responds um, I know he struggled a lot, as the entire team did last year. Pick and roll situations—what it really came down to—the lack of of communication. Um, Carolina is changing the way they're going to handle pick and rolls and stuff like that this year, uh, as they they transition under Hubert Davis. So that is another area where he's got to take the next step. But if, if if he can if he can shoot the ball the way he shot it last year. It's going to open up the offense for everybody else, especially you add in Manic, a guy who can stretch the floor and take and make perimeter shots. Armando Baycott's added that to his arsenal. You know Dawson Garcia can take perimeter shots and make them. R.J. Davis and Caleb Love, they've worked on their offensive games as well. If he can still be that reliable three-point shooter when he's on the floor, Carolina's going to be very lethal on the offensive end. Moving on to Anthony Harris. Backup reserve point guard slash shooting guard for Carolina. His role, I think, I think his role is what it's going to be, what we saw a lot last year. A guy that's going to come off the bench, but when he's in the game, going to give you great energy, great defensive effort, which Carolina needs that. He brings an edge defensively, which this team needs. But more importantly, just run the offense and not try to do too much. His freshman year, when he was coming back from the injury, he was put in a situation where he had to do too much in a short time span, and lo and behold, um, got hurt again. This year, you, need, you know, last year not not the same case. Um, was coming off the bench, but you know, remember Florida State. So there were certain games where he played a big part in what Carolina was doing defensively, and just not. Messing it up on the offensive end of the floor, he's capable of doing that again this season.
0: I Man, that's where he's going to have his biggest impact. You would think is on the defensive end of the floor, effort guy. That's kind of what you you look at him and think, Jim rat. Also, I, I mean, what I would equate his role to is the bench version of what R.J. Davis is going to be. He's going to be looked at as your two guard. Um, that's going to play a backup role, but he's also a guy that is capable of playing point. So that's another veteran guy that you have in the backcourt that can bring the ball up and can do some things for you and hold it down. It's just so great to have a feeling of now you've got Caleb Love, R.J. Davis, and Anthony Harris as your three guys at point guard. This is a couple years removed from Leaky Black being your backup point Mm -hmm. guard, from K.J. Smith starting games. Like that's the point that we've. It's amazing how quickly things have turned around, and that doesn't even take into account Demarco Dunn, who's a combo guard as well, who we're we'll talk about here in a minute. But I, I think I would like to see him be able to score the ball a little bit more. But this is also a guy that the fact that he's even playing as big yeah. of a role as he is is pretty amazing because we didn't think once once he went down in that game two years ago we kind of all said to ourselves is this guy gonna have a career like this he's just he's not
1: getting the luck I, I mean it gave me flashbacks to when I tore my ACL in church ball that was shut, the amount of that was the amount of impact shut up normally I just
0: let those go this you're you're no. My leg. Do snapped. not try. It. Do My not leg
1: snapped in half. You're acting like it just didn't happen. This beautiful fictional story. My leg. Here's the thing. Snapped in half. Here's the thing. We have known
0: each other since 6th grade. That is what. 14 years now? Yes. That story would have been told immediately. Never heard that story until a couple years ago.
1: Therefore, you are a giant Liar! No, it was just something that I had to deal with personally. No, and no, no, it never happened. It,
0: it, so here's the thing. So if I ask your father this question, it happened. He's not got, no, he's going to... now. He's gonna tell me that you're lying. I'm telling you, it happened. Okay. Do you want to call him on the show one time? Or we'll ask no. him because you know that he's gonna say that. You but were lying. I mean,
1: that was the, the the impact of when he went down <laughs> and that that loss to and that win to Yale over Yale. And look, that team wasn't going anywhere. I think we all can look back and agree with that. But, like, when he got hurt, that was like, okay. Well, he all, was scoring all, the ball well. Like all, he, all the wind in the sails, they they was gone after that loss. Yeah, after, I mean, after his loss to injury.
0: Because he was a guy that came back. He had worked so hard. Everybody felt like he can be, you know, at first we were like, okay, how big of a part is this guy actually going to be? Probably not. He came
1: out with two games, and we're like, well, Whoa, this dude scoring the ball? Like, he's aggressive. He he, Robo's didn't want to have to play him. But the injuries to <laughs> Cole Anthony and everybody, he didn't really have I'm, a I'm choice. Getting, I'm, I'm going to be
0: honest. I am closing in on a panic attack from thinking about that season. So let's, let's try to move forward. But still, like, I want to see... I would love to see him be. I, not, I'm not going to say I won't. I would love to see him get back to some of that scoring. Yeah. That we saw for because if he could add that, I mean, this is this is a guy that could be a really good bench player. There's talent that's there. It's just are we we are wondering how limited is this dude still from that injury. I, I mean, because we saw it. I mean, look at Seventh Woods. You know That knee injury that he had, he went from being a guy that we thought was going to be this explosive, at-the-rim dunking point guard to a guy that really just was a shell of what he was in high school and was basically just the definition of a backup point guard. So we don't know exactly what he could be, but he's shown signs before, and there's reason. He is going to contribute. I think the question is, is are we going to see a little more offensive contributions like we saw back in that 19th season?
1: One guy that's going to contribute in the future, probably not as much this year, will be DeMarco Dunn. Anthony mentioned a combo guard, incoming freshman for Carolina. And look, if, if he's playing a really big role, that probably isn't a good sign for Carolina because he is a guy that we're counting on to be a big part of what we want to do next year and the years to come. He's a guy that has the potential to be a big-time player at the ACC. He does need to grow into his body a little bit more because he is a little thin, so he would be overmatched on the defensive end uh, and really just adjust to the speed of the game and stuff like that. So that's why the non-conference season is going to be really important for him. Hopefully you've got these games against you know, Loyola, Brown, um, Elon, some of those types of schools where hopefully in the final four minutes these games aren't in jeopardy. You can put DeMarco on the court and you can get some action Against still against quality Division One competition, but he can learn and, and and get a good feel of where he needs to get better. Hopefully, that's in the non-conference season, not in ACC games. Um, but this is a guy that I'm really excited for. Projecting down the road, could be a really big piece for Hubert Davis's second and, and, and third teams. Definitely, you you got
0: the feel of that kind of when you watched him in the scrimmage, uh, you know, in late the late night scrimmage. He just didn't feel like with, with Dontre Styles. You looked at some of the things that he did and how he shot the ball, and it looked like there was a little bit of confidence there. It looked like a guy that okay, you know, we're not expecting a ton, but he could contribute. With Dunn, it looked like a guy that's kind of a kind of a work in progress, and and that's fine. That's something that I think we kind of expected with him. But this is where Carolina fans have to look and and, and realize where you're at once again. It's a a good thing that you're at this point where he doesn't have to play a big role for you. So he's going to have time to be able to develop. Yeah, I mean, some of these early games, like we could see him, that's the thing, we could see him a lot early on. We could see him on Tuesday night. We could see him on Friday play somewhat, you know, some significant minutes uh, against... Loyola and Brown uh, if this team can you know pull out to leads like we think they are capable of against lesser opponents and that would be great you want to see him be able to get that experience but yeah I mean I think there's definitely reasons to be excited about him going forward and I, I the other thing is is look you know we're saying that he looks like a developmental guy we also thought Kerwin Walton was a developmental yeah, guy so you just never really know point, actually who can step up so, uh, and I'm going to need you to be less shocked at my good points on this on this show, okay? <laughs> that was that that was hurtful.
1: That stung, but... Uh, was it the actually part that really hurt the most? Yes. Okay. That was a good point. So if I would have fun. said, well, actually, would it have hurt as bad? Well, well that wouldn't have made any well, sense. Well, actually, that was a really good point. Would that have hurt as bad as, that was a good point, actually? No. No. Okay. Yeah, it was the phrasing. It was the phrasing for me. Okay. Uh, that... And, and the condescending, pedantic tone added to it. Oh my God! What? Okay, what do you got a the source over there? <laughs> Jeez, that's our look at Carolina's backcourts. One that we think is going to be much more improved from last year, which Carolina needs it to be, um, as we try to get back into the thick of winning an ACC regular season title and competing to make the second weekend or the final four of the NCAA tournament. We're going to come back. And wrap up the show with some closing notes. But first, here's this week's ad from our proud sponsor, DraftKings. NFL fans, hungry for a big win this week. DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL, has you covered. New customers can bet just $5 on any NFL team to win their game. And if they do, you win $200 in free bets. Winner, winner, chicken dinner. It's that simple. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use the promo code TBPN. Bet just $5 on any NFL team to win their game and win $200 in free bets. If they win, you win with the promo code TBPN this week at DraftKings Sportsbook. An official sports betting partner of the NFL. You must be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. New customers only. Minimum $5 deposit and $1 wager is required. One per customer. Restrictions do apply. See DraftKings.com Sportsbook for details. If you have a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Really hope you guys have made your way over to DraftKings Sportsbook to take advantage of all the great offers we've been giving you since we joined the network, but especially right now trying to take advantage of these great offers. Earn some great holiday cash ahead of your Christmas shopping um, with, with, with some responsible betting on some NFL, some college football games. Maybe the NHL. The NBA is back in full swing. Next week we got college basketball you can bet on. So get over to DraftKings.com and take advantage of all of our great offers. As I mentioned, we got closing notes for today's show. I teased earlier we had an injury update. That revolves around a guy who can't stay healthy, and that's Puff Johnson. As Anthony mentioned, Hubert Davis did hold a presser earlier today, the day of recording. Um, and Hubert made it known that Puff has had various injuries from time to time during the summer and in the preseason. Most recently, he's uh, suffered from a hip strain, which likely means we won't see Puff for, I would say, a a significant little amount of time. Um, Safe say you're not going to see him in the season opener. That, was, that wasn't from the source no. right there. Great description. Um, You're probably looking at maybe December, depending on the severity of the injury. It could be through the non-conference season before we see Puff back in in action for the Tar Heels um, as a guy coming off the bench as a member of Carolina's front court. Also from the the presser, and something we're going to really see more of as we ramp up for Friday's scrimmage, the lineup is fluid. And it's going to be a work in progress as the season tips off. Not a big surprise because we have seen for the last 18 years that the, the 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 rotation isn't usually final until ACC play. Carolina does have an ACC game in early December, but ACC play doesn't tip off fully until right before or right after Christmas. Um, and, and, and so Hubert Davis is going to use November and December in the non-conference games against top-tier opponents to really figure out what rotation he wants to move, move forward with during the season, another another thing with Carolina roster wise is the return of Hubert Davis means that Carolina's going to carry walk-ons like as they've always done uh, under Dean Smith, under Roy Williams. Carolina will have two walk-ons this year. That being Jack Watkins and Rob. We're we're gonna we're gonna pronounce it Landry. It's spelled Laundry, but I'm gonna give him the benefit and just go ahead and call him Rob Landry. Good to see. Hubert Davis keeping those traditions going. You've still got the JV team going. You've got the walk-ons going. You're getting back to some of that old-school type of feel, which uh, older Carolina fans are really are certainly going to enjoy. One last note before we go ahead and do get out of here. I don't know how many of you guys watch the NBA, uh, or, or let alone the Orlando Magic, but Cole Anthony's been doing stuff. He had 31 the other night in the Magic's win over the Timberwolves on the road. A few weeks ago, he had a 30-piece in Madison Square guarded against our New York Knicks to lead the Magic to a road win um, in, in MSG. We always said during the when he was with us, he was going to benefit more from playing at the NBA game. The, the, the pick and roll, he's improved his three-point shot. He's fully healthy. I don't think he was fully healthy last year during his rookie campaign with the Magic, but he's really taken the next step. He's a big part of that young backcourt that also features Jalen Suggs and other guys down there in Orlando. Um, so he's have he's having a lot of success. Harrison Barnes hit a game winner a few weeks or a few nights ago. Yeah, they're tearing it up, both of them. Yeah, so, they,
0: he, Harrison's starting to settle in and becoming the type of player that we thought like he's starting to look like that guy that was the number one recruit in his class.
1: Right, Kobe White's being a has been a part of the the Bulls' success. The the, the Bulls are off to their best start since the last time they won a title. Back in 97-98 So a lot of NBA or Tar Heels in the in the NBA They're doing some really good work As the NBA season has tipped off And has gotten going uh, And we'll keep you updated from time to time During the college basketball season All of the pro heels in the association
0: By the way, you got it right I did look it up real quick It is Rob Landry uh, the, the person who posted earlier on social media, they just got uh, the last name wrong. They threw in the U instead. Uh, in, in so, gotcha. yes, it is Rob Landry,
1: uh, who is a um, legacy. legacy legacy of Pierce Landry, yep. former Toriel player. Well, that's going to go ahead and wrap up this edition of the Four Corners podcast. But before we get you out here, get you guys to the website, Heel Tough Blog. Dot com, where we are now immersed with football and basketball coverage. Carolina football coming off another loss to Notre Dame over the weekend. This weekend at home against top 10 undefeated, rank, or undefeated Wake Forest. For some reason, that's our homecoming game, so we're going to get most likely embarrassed on our home field for homecoming as Sam Hartman and the Deacons will look to Im- Im- improve on their college football playoff resume. We're going to have a preview article and a podcast, and then we'll have a recap. A stock report, no more trench report as we are now in, in the basketball coverage. Uh trench report has gone away, but there will be a recap Snacker. podcast where uh we'll probably get on there and yell about Jay Bateman, yell about missed tackles. I'm gonna tell you, you are you are not gonna be thrilled with the preview
0: podcast then. Oh wow. You're being you're being very negative. I'm just gonna tell you. I don't think that people should be as negative as you are being.
1: Wow, about this game. So, and I'll tell you why on that podcast. So go check that out. You got to hear why. We'll have you covered all things Wake Forest basketball. Does have a scrimmage on Friday night. We're gonna have a preview podcast for that. I'm gonna recap the scrimmage after that. There'll be a that preview- was after you said. I'm gonna put this out there because I think it's just
0: hilarious. You said to me. I said, Hey. Do you want to do a pro- a podcast and an article about the scrimmage? Your
1: exact quote Can was... Can you say the exact quote or do we got to make it explicit?
0: No, no. Your exact quote was, hell no, I'm not writing about that. Yeah. Within not even 24 hours, you went from no article, no podcast, to article... And preview and recap podcast. It's it's, it's going to be it's a lo- amazing. I don't know what got into you. A loaded Friday night. Most I like it. Are, most people are going to be out of the town. Most people, no, it's going to be a loaded Friday night. Most people are going to be loaded on Friday yeah. night.
1: There you go. Um, and then, of course, next week we will have you fully covered as we lead up to the Loyola game. I'm going to track down. Their most recent game from last season. Watch I thought it. you were
0: going to like track down their like play by play. No, or something. I, I, I was
1: like, oh man, we're going really. going to watch some film on them la- from last year, and uh, that way when I come in with the preview, I'll have some some really hot takes.
0: By the way, do they not have a scrimmage that they play that you could maybe? I don't know. track down. Yeah, maybe try
1: that one. Um, but anyway, we're gonna have fully. We'll have you fully covered as we kick off the college basketball season. For the podcast, of things, you know where to find us. We're on the Basketball Podcast Network. We host on Megaphone. We're on iTunes, iHeartRadio, Spotify. TuneIn, Google Pods. Give us a like. Give us a review. Review me as the host. Review Anthony as the uh, co-host, as he likes to say. Uh, but most importantly, I want you guys to subscribe. That way every podcast is right there in your podcast library, as you just heard previews, recaps. It's going to be a loaded six-month stretch as we take you from well, of the beginning to the end of the Carolina basketball season. So make sure you do subscribe to RV podcast. is right there in your podcast library. Well, this is going to wrap up this edition of the Four Corners podcast. I want to thank Anthony for hosting with me. I want to thank you guys for listening. And as always, Go Tar Heels!